Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Well, hello and welcome to IRC Book Club, the show where every week Michael and I talk about a book, a business book, a sales book, a book, 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 book that is good for your brains. Um, We are on the fourth and final furlong of our discussion of Words That Change Minds by Shell Rose Chavez. We were just talking before the show, um, in many respects, about how are we going to make this a a viable episode full of content. And Mike made a really great point, which was he said, it's fascinating that our listener volumes have dropped through the floor when we've read this book, because actually as a book, it's probably one of the most useful ones we've ever read. I'll tell you what's interesting, Johnny. So I used to know this guy called Jack. You used to know him and his family were excessively wealthy. Um, Oh, restaurants. Yeah, well, it, let's get it right. It was a body double for Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, and he was pretty, and he was a pretty good-looking guy. So you know, he's in great nick. His family were absolutely epically minted. Body, yeah. body, bar. And I can remember talking to him about one of the restaurants, and one of the restaurants his dad owned was on the lakes of Buttermere, which, if you've ever been, I mean, that's a good place to have a restaurant. You know, that 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 is upper class. People are going there. And I said to him, I said, so Jack, what kind of food can I get? And he said, you know, he said, my dad's like a proper chef. He said, we went from serving good quality steak and chips to serving all the mega stuff that you see on MasterChef. I know. He said, actually, he said, actually, people just want good quality steak and chips. And I tell you the thing about this book is, it's a proper connoisseur's book. It's like a connoisseur of food. Or in this metaphor, a connoisseur of selling. It's and actually, fine, I think fine dining for the mind. Yeah, and actually, I think what people really want is they want a bit more good quality steak and chips. Which next week, you know, we're into the challenger sale. Now, I'm not is, knocking the challenger sale. I don't rate it that highly. No, but, but it's good quality steak and chips. And I think a lot of the audience out there want good quality steak and chips. But this is fine dining. Now. I know I'm rambling on a little bit here, but you and I went to, what was it called? Man Behind the Curtain, is it? We went to Man Behind the Curtain. We spent an inordinate amount of money on a Michelin starred restaurant, restaurant, right? And I'm not a foodie, so it was a bit lost on me. I (laughs) ate every course. I was the only person that did. Pricey, I stopped for a Mackey's on the way home. Exactly, but that's my point about this book. It's like Man Behind the Curtain. It's like me being sat in Man Behind the Curtain. Yeah, it was all right. I rifled it all in. And necked all the wine that went with <laughs> right, it. <laughs> I did. The wines but were good, weren't they? The booze was amazing. Yeah, but the actually, what, what do I want from food? You know, what's a, what's a great meal for me? It's a really good quality steak and chips. Yeah, I'd have been happier in Gaucho eating a massive six quid steak. Correct. And I think that the Jeb Blount books, Antiana Reno books, they are really good quality steak and chips. This is a Michelin star book. So if you consider yourself to be a Michelin star of selling, you will like this book if you stick with it. If you want good quality steak and chips, which let's be clear, there's nothing wrong with that. It's 90% of the market. Fish and tatties. They're good quality sales guys. Yeah. Then actually, 
don't read the book. Now, for all of those of you who live on McDonald's, Ginsters and KFC, you probably don't read sales books anyway, so you're probably not listening to the show. No, they're, they're, they're not going to be listeners of this show. So in part four, it's uh, it talks about applications of the lab profile. And the lab profile is this thing where yeah. she's building up. Now, the best chapter in it for our sales, for our hirers, for our sales managers, sales leaders, whatever, is page 163. And the title is Hiring Employees Who Perform. Yeah. So if I was a sales leader and I wanted to know how to make sales hiring right, I would read this book and I would build a lab profile for what works with yep. salespeople in my environment. Yep. Cool. So obviously, it's different. different set, but how many clients going to do that? None. Well, not, not, not many. So I'll tell you an interesting conversation, Mike, is I got referred to a client yesterday from a guy that we actually had on the Always Be Hiring podcast, a guy called Jim Bloomfield. Uh, I don't know if you recall. He Never, had, no, never heard of him. You have heard of him because you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jim has a business that specializes in creating a psychometric and psychological profile of top performers so that clients can replicate that in their hiring process. Right? And he's working with another guy who's a high-end business consultant, some ex-KPMG partner who's doing consulting in the tech sector. He referred me to him, and I was talking to this consulting guy yesterday who is going to put me in touch with this really cool technology company. Uh, obviously, he wants kickback, but yeah, he's going to put me in touch with him. And he was saying, Jim's got a really cool business. I can't quite understand why it's not more successful than it is really. I mean, you're in recruitment. Why do you think that is? And my words were, listen, maybe I can be frank with you, but I just don't think clients give a fuck. And he went, what do you mean? And I said, the problem is, if you're in, if you look at our target market, companies with between one to 15 UK salespeople, no in-house recruitment function, those companies just don't care about something like lab profile. No. That's, that's for a couple of different reasons. One, that a lot of the clients we deal with, as much as we love them, don't believe hiring is that mission critical that it warrants that much effort. Can I slightly disagree with you and amend it a little? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll give you my opinion is the best way of putting it, is I think they would care if they had time. Yes. But but I'm working on a role at the minute, ERP sales role, 80K basic, why did that man call me? He called me because somebody had resigned. Now, actually, the guy that had resigned came into huge wealth overnight. He said he was smashing it, actually, but he came into huge wealth, so he's left. Right. And that sales leader right now, is he thinking, oh, I'd better do a lab profile. <laughs> yeah, thinking, I'd, better, I'd better go out, take an exercise, profile my top performers. He doesn't have the luxury of that. He needs a body on that patch that he thinks right can slot in tomorrow now actually what these clients ought to be doing i know we're getting a little bit away from the book but it's sort of relevant to the book is it's very relevant they ought to be because the next section after hiring right is building a high performance team is that interesting to our clients yeah the next bit is negotiating and bargaining is that interesting to our clients yeah the next is hitting the target analyzing your market yep etc etc this is the book where you can't get an instant fix out of it i said exactly exactly that yeah don't read this 
if you're behind target now. If you're behind target, go and buy uh, combo prospecting. Fanatical prospecting, combo prospecting. Yeah, I agree, Pricey. If you're you're struggling for target now, this is not the book that's going to solve your problems. Don't read it. However, if you're somebody who sat there thinking, do you know what? I've been a software sales guy for 20 years, doing pretty well. And I get this a lot from, you know, people in that nature to go, oh, how do I get to the next step, Mike? How do you get to the next step as you start reading and integrating stuff like this? But it will take time to integrate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to integrate it myself. You know what I'm like, Johnny. I'm pretty sort of diligent with that kind of thing. It's difficult. Very it's difficult. A, it's a six-month project, this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Absolutely. And, to, you know, to recap on going back on it, you know, the, the, the whole of the book, What's it, what, what's it about? It's about understanding people in a different and better level. Yeah. You know, spin selling's great and everything. This is better. Well, you know my view on this. There is just nowhere near enough attention put and enough respect afforded to understanding the human being that sat across the desk from you in the meeting at that given point in time. For some unknown reason, it's become incredibly unfashionable in sales. Yes, I agree completely. Incredibly unfashionable uh, to want to have a psychological edge, to be able to get inside the head of the customer, to be able to, and I'm going to say it, to be able to use language in a way that influences. To influence has become unfashionable. A lot of that has been created by the SaaS software market with their huge playbooks and all the rest of it. You, you know, you look at, you know, I, I often knock a lot of this sub-30-year-old salespeople, and it's a bit harsh, really, knocking the sub-30-year-old salespeople, but they're quite, quite the a lot snowflakes. of them. The snowflakes. Yeah, but quite a lot of them are actually a product of their environment. They're a product yeah. of the culture, the current economy, and the environments in which they operate, absolutely. You know, you, 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 know, you look at some of the companies who are out there. You know, we recently read... What was that one with your rugby playing pal in it? And he quotes Idea Gen a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he's interviewed Ben Dorks. Coaching winning salespeople. Yeah, yeah. Winning now, sales teams. Now, actually, you know, I, we don't deal with Idea Gen. They're, they're, I think, from what I can tell, a superb company who've done a superb job alongside... Market-leading company price. Yeah, exactly. And actually, and Softcat and, you know, those kind of businesses, how have they got there? They've got there by creating a playbook that if you pick it up and carry it, you will succeed. Yes, you but become actually, part of their operation. Yeah, you're learning that playbook. You're not learning what's behind and what goes into that playbook. You're learning how to drive in an automatic car, whereas this is learning how to drive in a manual car. Yes, a manual race car. A manual car with a clutch. <laughs> yeah, a fast manual car that requires control. Yeah, skill. You know, could Lewis Hamilton drive it? Well, he could drive anything, obviously. I saw him on Valentino Rossi's motorbike. But, you know, could he drive a BMW i3, no gears, press and go? Well, obviously. Why can he do that? Because he's driven everything else that has none of those aids. Yeah. Could you take the woman who lives up the road out, uh, uh, up the road from me, could you take her out of her i3 and put her in Lewis Hamilton's race car? Well, no, because she just doesn't understand the underlying principles. And this book is about the underlying principles. It's why stuff works. Why people do what they do. Mm. And that is very powerful. It's brought me to a conclusion 
that is, if you said to me, oh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of books now on Book Club, Mike. Mm-hmm. I think we're 110 episodes in. If you said to me, what do you reckon? I'd say overall, I look at this and I think, okay, could I use the lab profile as a salesman? How would I do it? Well, you'd probably do it informally without the client realizing. Yeah, you'd have to be very subtle with your questions. You could use it as a recruiter in a very formal way. You could just lab profile every new candidate. Brilliant. Great tool for me and you. All the clients. The clients should let us build a lab tool for them. But they won't. No, they won't. No, they won't. The clients won't be interested, which is sad, really, because I always had designs that that's sort of how IRC would be as a bit more of a consulting-driven business. But actually, it's not what our customers they, want. They want. They want steak and chips. Yeah, it's not what they want. It's not what our customers want. It's what I sort of always hoped it would be, but it's not. So, hey, I'm not going to moan because I earn a nice living. Um, so could you do it? As a salesman, could you really implement it? I think, one, you'd have to work hard at learning how to do it. Two, you'd have to be able to do it in a very consciously, unconsciously competent way that didn't interfere with any other part of your sales process in the meeting. Yes. If you could do it, wow, it's a wow moment. I bet Shell Rose Charvette, Chavelle, I bet Shell Rose Charvette, I bet she could do it. And I bet bet you have a conversation with her. I bet she goes, hey, how are you? Blah-de-blah-de-blah. And she's she's lab profiling you in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And then influencing you and manipulating you Mm, mm, mm. without you ever knowing. Like a Darren Brownie style of yeah. kind yeah. of thing. You just never quite know why you loved her so much. Mm, absolutely. Um, so my overall view is, actually, it's rubbish. Why? Because it's so hard to get into process. I just don't think our audience will adopt it. I think if I look back, it's very clear to me, <laughs> listeners who are still here with us, if you're still talking to us and you still love us and you're still at this point, it's very clear if you look on our on the podcast stats, we have dropped sixty-five to seventy percent of our audience in three weeks. On this book. On this book. And it's not because the show's shit. It's because people have gone, I just don't get what these two are talking about. This isn't for me. I'm not learning anything now. Yeah. Uh, and people have realized they're not going to implement it. Whereas we're back to steak and chips next week with Challenger Sale. The Challenger Sale. You know, so I, 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 I read the first 100 pages of it yesterday. I mean, I've read it before, actually, but I thought, yeah, it's steak and chips. Yeah, it's steak and chips, and they've... Well, we've read a few books now on, on, on Book Club where people have based the book on, theoretically, quote-unquote, a swath of research. And Challenger Sales based on research, isn't it? Evidently, yes. Blah, blah, blah. Um, But we also know, and we've had a few of the books that we've read that were based on research, a few people have debunked a few of them subsequently as to the rigour of that research. But apparently, Challenger Sale and the company behind it, their research was quite rigorous. Well, let's hope. Yes. So... I will be pushing this out. We're going to push this out hard on LinkedIn now next week. Uh, Challenger Sale is the book. It's going to be exciting. It's been a short episode today, but it's like we said before the show, there's not that much to talk about in Section 4, is there? Hello? Hello. Lost you there, Jonathan. 
Are you streaming and downloading loads of illegal movies at the same time? Yeah, porn. Right, okay, good. And at that, right. we'll see uh, you next uh, week uh, for uh, the Challenger sale. I was going to say, for those 14 people who were listening. <laughs> All right, see you. Bye. Bye.